I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, host of More Christianity, the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. And More Christianity is the book I've written to share the Catholic faith with evangelical Christians. You might know that I was brought up in an evangelical home, and I have a passion to share the fact that Catholicism is not something different, it's something more. And so we go through the different doctrines of the Catholic faith and explain them to evangelicals in a friendly way, not saying, we're right, you're wrong, but affirming everything which is good about their sincere devotion to Jesus Christ, but summoning them to come further up and further in and to share in the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. More Christianity is available to purchase from my website, DwightLongenecker.com. And now, let's get started with more Christianity. Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. From week to week, we have a whole range of different topics. We talk to converts from Protestantism, from New Age movement, from other religions, other world religions. We also explore sometimes the supernatural aspects of our faith. We look at Catholic culture. We consider literature, art, music, architecture, all sorts of different aspects of the Catholic faith and the culture and the world that we live in. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Carrie Donaldson. She's a blogger, she's a mom, and she's also a convert to the Catholic faith from the New Age movement. We're going to talk to Carrie in the second half of the program, but first I'd like to talk a little bit about the New Age movement and and what it is and where it comes from. The name uh, New Age movement comes from the idea that we are at the brink of a, on the threshold, if you like, of a new age for humanity. The astrologers call it the age of Aquarius. If you're as old as I am, you might remember a hippie song back in the old days called This is the Dawning of the Age of Aquarius. It's all tied in with the same idea that humanity is on the verge of moving into a new evolutionary cycle, if you like, a new cycle of peace and justice for all, a cycle of a higher consciousness where we move into a new understanding of ourselves and our world and our evolution, and uh, we're about to surge forward. And this new age is something which is to be embraced. Now, the actual practicalities of the New Age movement, what, what is it and, and how does it work? Well, it can't be pinned down to any particular denomination. It can't be pinned down to any particular philosophy. It can't be pinned down to any particular organized movement. Instead, the New Age movement is a, a very broad collection of different philosophies, different religions, different spiritual practices. It can extend to the kind of diet and exercise that people take part in. It can extend to their studies and their philosophy and their worldview. It can extend to their exercise program, their self-help program, their psychological understanding, their counseling. Basically, it's a holistic worldview, a worldview which tries to embrace all these different aspects so a person can live out a particular philosophy, a particular way of living, which is healthy and wholesome and open-ended and open-minded to all sorts of different spiritualities and different religions and different ways of looking at the world. Therefore, it's very difficult to pin down exactly what the New Age movement is. We can certainly see particular practices which are we would associate with the New Age movement, an interest, for instance, in astrology, sometimes an interest in the occult, uh, yoga and vegetarianism can sometimes be associated with the New Age movement, but not necessarily. Elements of Buddhism and Hinduism can be drawn in. Mysticism from different religions can be part of the understanding. 
usually it's tied in with a particularly ecological worldview. Uh, it touches on the Gaia movement, the idea that there is the world is one massive organism and that we live, need to live in harmony with ourselves and with the world's mysteries. Well, if it sounds a little bit fuzzy or vague, it is. It's very difficult to pin down the New Age movement because it's a, a collection of uh, different philosophies, different practices, and, and different ideas altogether. The New Age movement is therefore very appropriate, I suppose, for the modern age we live in, in which people are individualistic, people are relativistic. That means that they don't believe in any particular truth claims. Instead, they try to follow the truth that is right for them. They try to make up a collection of truths which make sense to them. And in a world where we travel more and more, where we live in a multicultural society, where we're thrown in together with people from different religions and backgrounds and ethnicities, a New Age movement seems to make sense for a lot of people because they say this is where we can all come together, leave behind the old dogmatism of particular denominations and particular religions with their set beliefs, and instead we can be accepting of all different beliefs. We can be accepting of one another. These are all marks of the New Age movement, cropping up very often in popular culture. Now, what's wrong with the New Age movement? Well, we have to be honest about it and say that there's actually a lot that's right about the New Age movement. The New Age movement encourages people to be open to the spiritual realm. It encourages them to go on a, a spiritual quest to find the truth. It encourages them to live healthy lives and whole lives. It encourages them on a path of openness and tolerance, and it encourages them on a path of being responsible for good stewardship of our natural resources. There's a lot of good that can be said about the New Age movement, a lot of good that could be said about those who follow the New Age movement. They're searching for goodness. They're searching for truth. They're searching for beauty. However, New Age practices and philosophies can sometimes actually draw them into, unknowingly, the deeper areas of the occult, into the deeper areas of Eastern religions, into the deeper commitment to religions, which will take them eventually away from Jesus Christ and from his church. Therefore, the Catholic Church has said that the New Age movement is a spiritually dangerous movement. Although it seems to be attractive, although it seems to have a lot of things which are good and positive and true, and we recognize those good things, the Catholic Church also says that Catholics are supposed to steer clear of the New Age movement. We're supposed to be committed to Jesus Christ and his church. We believe that the Catholic Church is not just a spiritual entity. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just a, a way of meditation. It's not just a way to do self-help. It's not just a way to be nicer people. We believe that the spiritual, physical reality of the Catholic Church is the reality of the body of Christ alive in the world today. And so we're going to see how this made a difference for Carrie and how it can make a difference for you. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity, the program where we discover the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Before we continue with the program, I'd like to share with you one of the books I've written. Catholicism Pure and Simple is just that. It introduces people to the Catholic faith using simple language and goes step by step through the reason Jesus Christ came into the world, the Holy Spirit, the foundation of the church, the sacraments, the life of prayer, and the, and the life of being a Catholic. I wrote Catholicism Pure and Simple in order to share the Catholic faith with people who need to be evangelized. I've also used it for 8th grade confirmation and RCIA. Connect with Catholicism Pure and Simple. You can find it on my website, DwightLongenecker.com. And now, back to more Christianity.
Welcome back to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. In the first part of the program, we discuss the New Age movement and how it is so attractive to people who are very often disenchanted by the Catholic Church or disenchanted by the other Christian denominations. And we have a person who has gone on that very journey herself. Carrie Donaldson is the mother of six. She is a writer and a blogger. She's one of those mommy bloggers, as we call them. She blogs at clandonaldson.com, where there are lots of pictures of her great kids and family, and she talks there about her life and her faith and the love that she has that God has given her for her husband and family, and how she's working that out now as a Catholic. Welcome to More Christianity, Carrie. Hi there. Thanks for having me. I think you're talking to us from your home in Connecticut. Is that correct? Yes, we have snow on the ground, and it's uh, cold outside. You have snow on the ground and six kids at home who you're homeschooling, and it sounds like you got your hands full. Yes, I do. I had a friend who used to say, uh, yes, but you should see my heart, so I guess I'll steal her line. I can remember when our family was growing, people said, how can you have another child? There's not enough love to go around. And my wife came back and said, you know, in fact, the more you have, the more love there is to go around because you got more people generating that love. So I thought that That's was a pretty true. good yes. point. It's multiplied, not divided, right? That's right. I need to explain to you, Carrie, and also to our listeners who may be new to the program, that when I talk about my wife and family, I am one of the few married Catholic priests in the United States. I was ordained under the pastoral provision, a special provision for former Anglican priests who come into the Catholic Church and the Holy Father dispenses us from the vow of celibacy, allowing us to be ordained as Catholic priests. I'd just like to clarify that for some people because they can sort of get a curveball when they hear a Catholic priest talking about his wife and family. Anyway, welcome to the show, Carrie, and we really want to talk to you about your, your journey into the Catholic faith. You didn't start as a Catholic. You started in one of the Protestant denominations. Can you tell us what that was? Sure. I was raised Presbyterian. I was actually baptized Congregationalist, but Mm -hmm. I was raised in a Presbyterian church. It was actually the the same physical building that my mom went to when she was young. So that's how I was uh, brought up, was in the Protestant denomination. And that was in Detroit, is that correct? A suburb of Detroit, yeah. Right, Uh uh-huh. But that didn't last very long, or it didn't survive you going off to college? Is that when things began to change a bit? You know, I... Always, for whatever reason, the grace that God has given me was that of a prayer life. And so that was the great gift that my Presbyterian upbringing gave me, was that I always had an ability to pray to God, Mm -hmm. which was pretty much the only thing that I kept with me, because I had lots of questions, not a whole lot of answers I was able to find that satisfied me. And so by the time I was in high school, a friend of mine had given me a book called Judas, My Brother, which Mm -hmm. is supposedly a historical fiction that claims to strip all the the lies and mythology away from Christianity. And it was pretty much the excuse I needed that by the time I went to college, I, you know, had chucked Christianity into the river and no longer called myself that. So you chucked Christianity into the river. Looking back on it, was it really that book, Judas, My Brother, or was it also the fact that maybe you didn't actually experience the reality of Christianity for yourself, or maybe there was poor catechesis, or or maybe you just never met anybody who was really living out Christian discipleship in a radical way. I think that it was the excuse that I needed. It sort of Mm -hmm. was the metaphor of all the things that I'd had. You know, I remember at one point I asked all the adults in my life, from, you know, my parents to my youth group leaders to my pastor, what was the Holy Spirit? That was the one thing that I I couldn't get my head around, and no one could answer it. Some people just flat out couldn't answer it. Some people answered it in a way that I couldn't understand. I didn't have that understanding of the faith, 
And because I didn't have that understanding of the faith, I certainly couldn't play apologist when a book like this was presented to me. So it was sort of just a metaphor for the whole lack of education that I had. Actually, you know, I've been thinking about the title of that book. It's called Judas, My Brother. Mm-hmm. It's really a very apt title, isn't it? Because it's an insidious book which tries to undermine the Gospels and undermine the traditional Jesus story by debunking the whole thing. And uh, what better title for the book, a book like that, than Judas, my brother? Did you, did you, yeah. after you read it, did you feel a bit like Judas? Judas was your brother. You know, I, I just felt like I was very smart and very clever, and how thankful I was that I was able to see the truth uh-huh. of Christianity. So now I could go out and find what God really wanted us to do in terms of a relationship with Him. So really, at that point in college, you were beginning a spiritual odyssey, a spiritual journey. Having rejected the Christianity you were brought up with, the Protestant Christianity, you're now on a quest. Where, where did it take you next? Thankfully, I never had a detour into atheism or agnosticism. There was never a doubt for me that there was someone there. Mm -hmm. You know, I prayed every night, even if it was nothing more than just thank you for this day. And I didn't really think about who was on the receiving end of my prayer, but there was never a question of was there a God. My question was, how was I supposed to find him? And so college where I was at, I went to Michigan State, that space and that time was a very hospitable environment for occult, new agey sort of practices. In fact, you know, a lot of the things that we just take for granted now, all these young adult novels about witches and wizards and spells and vampires, a lot of that just sort of had a genesis, I think, at that time period that we were really sort of just becoming desensitized to these occult sort of notions. And, you know, there I was in the middle of all of it, and it was very attractive. That's interesting. So in a way, the popular culture of the vampire books and the occult and these kind of romantic novels Do you think that kind of anesthetizes people against these things or against Christianity or perhaps opens them up a little bit to the possibility of the occult when they then meet it in real life? I wouldn't suggest that all authors of these books do this deliberately, but I think that there's a very clever use of traditional Christian symbols, the traditional understanding of good versus evil, and Mm -hmm. this is there is evil and there is good, and they are, you know, opposed to each other. These symbols and these motifs are taken and turned on their head in these stories. And so you're, yes, you're, you're desensitized, you're anesthetized to the fact that good is good and evil is evil. And while we carry bits of both in us, we should still strive for goodness. And a lot of these stories just sort of murk the whole thing up and, and blur the lines so that you don't even realize anymore. I guess also for a college student who's already rejected Christianity but still spiritually searching, uh, these kind of books can actually open oneself up to uh, all sorts of forces and all sorts of ideas which are out there in the marketplace. And this is one of the insidious things about the New Age movement is that there are so many different expressions of it, so many different permutations, so many different ideas, some of them totally wacky, some of them kind of sensible and and, uh, ordinary that one can get involved in. So is is that what you were drawn to? You were drawn to New Age practices or New Age beliefs? I really enjoyed the concept of do-it-yourself religion, Mm -hmm. that there was no authority telling me that I had to believe this or that, you know, the phrase, follow my bliss. If I wanted to believe in reincarnation right now, fine, I could go and believe in reincarnation and find, you know, sources to help me go on a spirit quest to find my totem animal. And once I got bored with that, I could easily shed it and start looking into Norse mythology or Egyptian mythology 
you do whatever you want, and there was no accountability and no concrete moral truth. A spiritual quest to find your totem animal. I've never heard that before. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I want to go there and learn more about it, but that's the sort of thing that I can see could be very intriguing to a person who was spiritually searching. As you went on this journey, I'm curious, Carrie, did you find that there were connections between the different mythologies? Because I've always understood that while the New Age movement is a kind of vast, shifting soup of different kinds of ideas and practices, that there is at the same time a kind of weird underlying connection between them. Did you find that as well? Soup is a great word right there. Uh You know, I found that so much of it was without any sort of historical documentation, that there was no way of actually tracing back these myths and these beliefs to any sort of source material. But what I did find, and I only realized this after, you know, I had converted and come to know that there was a truth and that truth was a person, that I realized that so much of what Christianity offered, it was almost as if it echoed in the ages, both forward and backward. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these motifs that you would see in pagan stories were just a sort of like an echo of a memory of what Christianity would one day offer them. So I think that the enemy loves to ape. That's all he can do. He can't create. He can only ape and mock. And so it was just that twisting of the truth, just enough so that it was no longer truth, and it would send you off in another direction that was away from where I was trying to go, with God. That's a great insight. I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, the host of our show, and today's guest is Carrie Donaldson, a blogger and a mother and a writer, also a convert to Catholicism from New Age philosophies. Carrie, you said a moment ago that the Satan is an ape. It reminded me of C.S. Lewis's uh, last book in his Narnia stories, The Great Battle, where the evil character is actually an ape. I don't know if you've read that story, but it reminds me of that one. And, and also reminded me of this amazing truth that the devil can't really lie to us with a total lie, or, or we wouldn't believe it. So he always has to mix the lie, the falsehood, with as little amount of truth as he can get away with. But he will mix truth in with it, and this is why he's such a deceitful liar and such a clever liar, is that very often there will be elements of truths woven into these different things. And it's true with New Age philosophy. Quite often the the depth psychology has insights to share with us. Quite often the spiritualities and the meditation techniques and the mythologies all can shed light on our Christian faith and can shed light on the gospel story. But it's a light that is reflected light. It's it's not genuine. It's not real. It's an interesting insight that you, you've made there. What else about the New Age philosophies did you find finally to be unsatisfying? The more I looked, the less restful I became. Like, I, I never was just able to say, yes, this is it. This is where I, I am. I, I'm now where God wants me to be. We have this relationship. Yes, I never had that that feeling. And it was tremendously isolating. Now, with Facebook and Twitter and social media and all sorts of things, internet-y, you don't really have to be isolated anymore. I mean, physically present, you may be completely isolated, but it's so easy now to find a, a community that will serve as your echo chamber. I didn't have that when I was in college, thankfully, because... I think it was that isolation. I could never find anyone else with the same beliefs I had, the exact same set of pagan gods and goddesses that they were worshiping. And so it kept me driving on. And finally, what I realized was, if I was going to worship God, I needed to find out who God was. I couldn't worship a created thing, because mm-hmm. that's not God. It'd be like worshiping a painting and ignoring the, the artist. 
you know, if you look at these pagan pantheons, this god was created by that god, created by that god, back and back and back, and ultimately it ends up with some personification of the earth. Well, I knew the earth had to be created too. So I think it was that finally being able to think my way, to have some critical thought that really just sort of broke the, the new age hold on me, that realizing I needed to find the source of this all is what made me say goodbye. But it sounds to me, too, like thinking things through is exactly what most New Age devotees don't do and are actually discouraged from doing because so much of the New Age movement is about your own subjective feelings, your own search, your own journey. A a do-it-yourself and search for your own bliss. Right. And so when you actually challenge that by thinking it through and demanding something called evidence, demanding something which was a search for that which was greater than all these other created things, this led you to the search for the Supreme Being. And tell us how then it connected with Catholicism. Well, first I thought I would look at organized religions in general, because I figured if I looked at an organized religion, it must have been staying around because it had something meaningful to offer. So with that, I didn't want to worship a created being in mind. I started looking at all the world's great religions. I looked at Hinduism, I looked at Buddhism, I looked at Islam, I looked at Judaism. All of them, it just fell short for you know a number of reasons. I wasn't able to find what I was looking for in any of them. And finally, out of desperation, all I had left to look at was, was Christianity. So, you know, I figured this would be a Google search away because in my understanding, as misguided and flawed as it was, I had understood Christ to be a created being. And mm-hmm. this was just another God born of another God born of another God. So I Googled something. I can't remember what Christ created. I don't remember what the Google search was. My first hit was directed to the, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And my jaw just dropped. I never understood what Christianity taught about itself, that it never believed that Christ was a created being, Mm -hmm. that that he was God and he was there from the beginning. I thought that all this time I'd been wanting God to speak to me, and the Word of God himself was the one thing that I refused to consider. And so really, the story you're telling us is the reason you departed Christianity, you went through New Age and went through all these other religions and finally found your, your way to the Catholic faith, it really comes down in many ways that nobody told you the truth of the Christian gospel in the first place. And I'm sure they did. I'm sure someone at some <laughs> point did, but not in a way that I was able to access and it didn't internalize. Sink, it didn't sink in. Correct. Right. And this is a huge problem, Carrie, not only in the Protestant denominations, but an awful lot of modern Catholicism as well. We've turned Jesus into this kind of mamsy-pamsy social worker, and that's not to disrespect all our good social workers out there, but Jesus is more than that. And we've turned him into this kind of do-gooding Sunday school teacher miracle worker guy, and we forget that he is the Word made flesh. He's the second person of the Trinity in human form. That was not hammered home to you and and not taught with a kind of full-blooded vigor that is so necessary. Right. That truth then got to the next stepping stone to the Catholic faith. Right. Once I realized, okay, there was something to this Christianity, I needed to figure out which form. At that point, I lived in Mississippi. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, and you didn't talk about your religion. You went on Sunday. You didn't talk about it otherwise. You didn't talk about it while you were there either. And here I am down south all of a sudden, and when I moved in, the first question people would ask me was, what church did I go to? Did I want to come with them to theirs? And here I am in the middle of this crisis trying to find, you know, a spiritual path, And the last thing I wanted was all these people asking what I perceived to be rude questions. 
So then I, you know, looked around, and here you have all these different denominations. You know, I lived in the Bible Belt. It was the age, it's the age of the non-denominational church. If you had four people who could scrape together enough money to rent, you know, a shop front in a plaza, you had a church. I mean, just churches everywhere. So I needed to figure out which church. And in the course of my studies, I came across a painting of Our Lady by Bougarou, and it was this painting where she's holding the infant in her lap, and she has this this look on her face that she is absolutely focused on him, like laser-like intensity. Her entire being is focused on him, and it just struck me for so many reasons. And I thought, here I am. I'd grown up Presbyterian. I was this New Age devotee. How can I have this relationship with Mary? And I thought, you know what? She has the focus on Christ that I want. I don't know how to do it yet, so I'm just going to copy her. I'm going to do everything Mary does, and she's going to lead me to Jesus because I can't get there by myself. I don't know what to do. So I just started, you know, I would look for her in the Bible where I could find her, and I would look for her online, and it ultimately led me to a website explaining the miraculous medal, which, again, I had no experience with. I had no idea what medals were. But in a moment of weakness, I sent away for the free medal, figured, ugh, whatever, you know, forgot about it because I was embarrassed. And it came to me right at the same time that we learned that my second child was breech, Mm. and I was going to have to have a C-section, which I was terrified of. And the medal came in the mail. I was so embarrassed that I had gotten this medal. Like, I wanted to run inside and hide, lest someone, you know, saw that I had this. And I looked at it, and I remembered that I was going to copy her. And I was going to put this thing on trusting that she was going to get me to him. So I put the thing on and we went to the hospital the day of the C-section. The doctor came in and felt around, figure out where he was going to make the incision. And he gets this look on his face. He goes out in the hall, comes back, wheels in an ultrasound machine. And he scans me and he looks at me and he says, why didn't you tell me the baby turned? Hmm. And I just looked at him blankly. I said, what are you talking about? He said, the baby, it's turned. He said, it's impossible. You would have known the baby's really big. It would have been extremely painful. When did the baby turn? Mm. I had no idea. So, you know, of course, then I didn't connect it to this miraculous turning of the baby, but it was just the start of all these graces and all these miracles, just everyday miracles that I saw. And it ultimately led us to the Catholic Church. What a beautiful story. I didn't know all of that. And it's been great to hear those details about Mother Mary, you being a mother, the miraculous medal, and how it all connects. And the beautiful thing about this is that very often, you know, Carrie, people search out the New Age movement because they're desperate for the supernatural. They're desperate for signs and wonders. They're desperate to see the spiritual really at work in the world. And you went on this journey for facts. You went on this journey for evidence. You went on this journey to find the one who was real, the one who could be substantiated. And the evidence he gave you was really a miracle in itself. Um, And so now you're... uh, Catholic there in Connecticut with your family, with your husband. He's converted as well, has he? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. We converted together Easter of, what, 2005. Well, thank you for being with us on More Christianity, Carrie. I hope maybe we'll be able to be a guest again sometime on one of our other topics. Uh, It's been great talking to you today. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is More Christianity, where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. And my guest today has been Carrie Donaldson. Go and visit her blog, Clan Donaldson. Learn more about her writing projects and what she's doing there. Thank you, Carrie, and God bless you and your beautiful family. Thank you, Father. Father. 